In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have a super awesome full of energy guests here with me, Kaylin. Kaylin, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I want to thank you so much for coming on today. And I'm so excited to hear your story, your journey, and all the amazingness about you. You've got two bestseller books and you've got some amazing things that you do. So I can't wait to get into all of that. But I guess the opening question would be what motivated your journey to where you are sort of today? Yeah, so we're going to step actually back a little bit because the elephant in the room is cystic fibrosis. And if I say what motivated me without shedding context, I think everybody's just going to be like, okay, that's weird. Like, who's this white blonde girl and what does she know about adversity? Because it is kind of hard to be like, no, I've struggled when you're in a penthouse apartment in San Diego. Like, it just doesn't click. So, you know, the thing is, is, and it's so funny, um, I was actually, for everyone listening, I was late to the call because I was doing a couple keynotes back to back, which don't do. And I actually have a copy (laughs) of my book, which I never do, Um, but it was used for that. So go team, we're winning. And really what motivated me to write the book, I have a condition called cystic fibrosis. And cystic fibrosis is a life-threatening genetic disease. So I was born with it. And I'm 33 this year, November also. So cheers. I've been hospitalized at least 67 times, ranging in nights from two nights to the longest hospital stay was six months. And that was what motivated me is I was told I was going to die early and when you've had six, seven hospitalizations, like it's not just lip service, like there's actually some truth to that. And I, a while ago, like I did the math for my performance this morning and it's like, if you're born today with CF and you're going to live to be 37, uh, that's the life expectancy, 33 divided by 37, like I've lived 89% of my life. Wow. So what motivates me is, is not death. I'm not necessarily afraid of death. I mean, doesn't wrong, it's going to suck, but you know, it's, how did I do as much as I could possibly squeeze in to this little itty bitty life? And did it matter? That was the big thing. Did it matter? And, you know, we look back in history, 2,000, 5,000 years, I like know one name from 5,000 years ago. So the reality is there's probably none of our names are ever going to be big enough to matter. And that's not limiting belief, but that says we got to own our moment and our purpose in life now and make enough of a difference that it becomes ancestral, not egotistical. And so that would be the motivation and the longest response you've probably got. (laughs) No, I love that. I love that. Wow. And oh my gosh, is that diagnosed when you're, when you're born, right? Because I have a friend from college who actually has cystic fibrosis as well. She's doing some work here in Boston. There's a pharmaceutical company, Vertex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's doing work with Vertex and she's tried their um their medicines and everything like that. And so it's actually enhanced her lifespan as well. And like yeah. she's she's a huge advocate. So right when you were speaking, I What's just What's her name? Uh, Lauren Bombardier, but actually her last name's Weeks now. She's married, but her maiden name is Lauren Bombardier. Weeks is should be with her name. I, I swear, like normally Boston babes, like with CF, I, I might know of, but yeah, her name eludes me. And some people to be to answer your question. 
Some people are diagnosed later, most it's at birth. Gotcha. Cause that, that I remember her explaining, cause she, she has like a blog that she speaks about all of this as well. She's a huge advocate. Oh, I'm totally connecting you with her without a doubt, because I think you both have such amazing energies and you would just kill it with one another, honestly. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, so growing up, knowing that you sort of had this, like, what was it like for you in the beginning? Like what? You know, walk me through how that kind of was for you growing up and sort of knowing this in the back of your mind, because you're so positive and amazing. Like I just, it's just getting into your mind flow of like how, what that was like and how you overcame that would be really, really interesting to know. Cause you just never know who's listening, you know, who might be dealing with it or God knows, you know? Yeah. I mean, so it's interesting because like, I didn't know things differently. I had um, jerks for parents. I lovingly say, I, I've got a great relationship with my mom and dad. We talk like almost every day but it was very much like shut up like what are you focusing on if I'm sitting there focusing on how sick I am and how all the other kids can run faster without coughing I'm gonna own that pain like there's a pain and benefits payoff and so they never let me enjoy being in a sucky situation in fact they made it suckier because they didn't care and that sounds harsh you know Mm -hmm. in today's world we you know, if our kid falls, we're like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Here's a band-aid in your sport. And my, like, my childhood is like, you fall, it's like, haha. And it's not necessarily fair. I've got some traumatizing memories, but we all have traumatizing childhood memories. So what's the difference? I think that's kind of what, what led it. And I was, I was very fortunate in that I grew up in rural Iowa. I've moved a lot. So I got to experience a lot of different cultures, a lot of different experiences while being hospitalized too. And, you know, I look at what my superpowers are, and I hate this because I sound so egotistical, but as a woman, as a successful woman, you know, there's a fine line between being like, look how great I am and like, oh, she's full of herself. So we're going to dance on that line today. I think my superpowers were all the lessons I learned, not only from how my parents didn't let me own my pain, but Mm -hmm. from being alone in hospitals. And those were my teachers, those nurses and those doctors and the RTs and the janitors, housekeepers, the food service ladies. I say ladies because there wasn't a man. I'm thinking particularly of a girl named Sandy. You know, that day you get an extra freaking thing of mashed potatoes that you didn't ask for because Sandy's got you. (laughs) That's where you learn compassion, you know? And so it's like, I didn't know differently, but I knew I wasn't normal. That's incredible. I'll tell you a story because I've got, I feel like I'm vibing with you. And I don't think I've ever told this. So you get some juice. Yeah. I was at a party and uh, I'd met my fiance and he and I have been together five years and uh, baller in case any men will snatch me. No, I'm just kidding. Congrats. Um, <laughs> and I was at a party and, you know, when like parties, everybody talks, right? You're in a circle. One person talks, the other talks, you just tell stories. One time when I went to the hospital and this guy who didn't know was like, are you a nurse? Like, why do you, why are all your stories about hospitals? And I'm like, oh, I grew up in one. Like, <laughs> I didn't know how to explain. Like, none of the shit I talk, stuff I talk about makes sense. So yeah, the hospital life, I didn't know any different. Um, my parents certainly didn't coddle me. Interesting. So, so when you met him and he said, how do you know so much about hospitals? You just told him you grew up in one and then had that conversation go after that. <laughs> I, I mean, we were like tequila deep at that point. Right. So like, I don't remember, but yeah, I mean my, well, and it was interesting. So as women, we like to be curvaceous, right? Like I'm not going to wear a blazer every day. I was wearing something a little slinky, right? And I'm with my fiance and like, so he, he appreciates a woman's body, right? So it looked a little slinky and the same guy looks at, you guys can see if you're watching the video, the port and a port is essentially a marble-like device that they jam with a three-quarter inch needle 
for immediate IV antibiotic vein access, because if you've had too many IVs, your veins are shot. So like you can't, you can't get a needle in these veins. So you got to get an extension of your vein. Um, you can kind of see it like working up there. So anyway, so I was in this slinkier little, little number. And uh, <laughs> the same guy who was like, did you grow up in hospitals? Points at me, girl. And he's like, what's that? And I was just like, I was like, I, I got nothing. And then like, I just walked away. And what's kind of cool is like, there was a hush. <laughs> oh. And like, somebody was like, and they just pulled him aside. And then he comes back. He's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I don't know how my network figured out to have my back in that moment, but he said it kind of like condescending, like, who's this hot blonde with that? Like, oh, it was great. I don't know where this story is coming from. That's adversity, right? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. absolutely. Well, it's part of your story and that's what's unique about it. You know what I mean? Everyone in their life at some point in time has gone through an underdog moment, right? Like where like yes. we just overcome that challenge and it translates differently for everyone. And that's the beautiful thing, you know? everything is different. So your experience is different, but it's beautiful because it's molded you to sort of where you're at now. And like, you've had an incredible journey. I mean, and you have such an awesome free spirit and energy, which I love. And so for you, you had mentioned that hospitals were kind of like your teacher, you had some mentors and some teachers and some people who helped you there. So who was like the most inspirational person in your life, sort of growing up and going through those hospitalizations that inspired you? This is the one question I never get, right? I never get the way to answer it, right? Because that's not a fair question for the hundreds of healthcare workers who've had my back. So my dad was a traveling salesman. So I've actually lived in 23 cities. So if it's like, who's the one? I mean, that's gotta be mom and dad and God, right? So like those three, I'm good. But that's not giving credit to my brother who had a really rough childhood because there's the sick kid and he's just trying to audition for wrestling championships in high school, you know? And so it's like, well, you know, if my brother wasn't, you know, and he went down a rebellious streak, thank God that he's great now. He's studying architecture. I don't even know how to pronounce what he does. He lives in Germany doing like smart German things. I don't even understand it. Um, he calls Adidas Adidas, like, so he's on that level now. Um, so of course my brother, my mom, my dad, you know, my relationship with God, there was a story that came out where this, oh, so beautiful. This guy was on life support and spent like three months in the hospital from COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. And he went on a mission to track down everybody who helped him survive. And he had to stop at thanking 116 healthcare workers. So like, who's that one girl connected? It's the podcast host who when you're frantically late and you're trying to run a sales call, who's patiently here for you and giving you support, it's the doctor who says, hey, you're end stage, but I'm not giving up on you until you give up on you. It's the attorney who helps you file the social security paperwork, knowing that you have entrepreneurial potential. You just got to focus on your health for three years, like suck it up. It's, you know, it's the landlord who, when you have no money because you've spent it on hospital bills, looks the other way and lets you live on their property. You know, it's the people who, when you're on government assistance, you can't make money and you're in San Diego and you've got 1400 a month and you're couch surfing. It's the guy who goes, hey, do you want to dog sit for me? Which basically means I have a free place to stay while he's out of town and I don't have to couch surf. So it's like, there's not one person. And that's why that question, I'm going to respectfully disagree. Yes. Because if it was one person, like, you know, well, I guess if it was one person, I was going to say I'd marry him, but there's <laughs> no person. 
<laughs> I love it. And, and I love that you offered that insight and that perspective. I guess um, when you had mentioned Sandy earlier, I thought that that was maybe one person that really rang through your head when you were in the hospitals. But I love, 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 love how you just beautifully laid all of that out, that every yeah. single person in your life has had a positive impact and has shaped you in some way, shape or form, which I think is absolutely beautiful. And it's been part of your journey, you know, yeah. absolutely remarkable. And like, you know, being in this crazy world, right. You know, you just wonder, you know, like for me on the other side, I just wonder, I'm like, geez, like, she's so awesome. Like, how did she make it through that? And it's like, it's clear to me that it's been the people around you it's been God, it's been your parents, it's been all this, which I think is so inspiring and awesome. And like, I have to ask because you have such an incredible career, both in the speaking world and then also in, in recruitment, right? Like it, I think you started off in HR and then kind of branched off into doing your own thing, which is awesome. And writing two books, which one I think you have with you. So like what, what inspired that path for you to sort of get into the recruitment world and then sort of shift off on your own? That's a joy ride. So when you're hospitalized for months out of the year, you're what they call unemployable. The only thing I know how to do is swathe myself into a company long enough to get hospitalized, to pay the medical bills, to then get fired for performance or whatever they want to call it. And then their conscience says, give her a good testimonial and review for the next place. Mm -hmm. So I leverage that into just getting hired anywhere that would take me. And what I found in that after like 40 jobs is, you know what? That's called recruiting. That's not HR. There's a difference, big difference. Mm. HR is the systems, the policies, like employee benefits, blah, blah, blah. Recruiting says, hey, Pamela, you like your job right now, but should anything happen, I want to tell you why you're not in the right career path and why there's options available that maybe you don't even know about. Should you have an extra five minutes, you want to have a conversation with me? I'm happy to explain why what you're currently doing may not be the best fit for your life path. Huh. And then I sell you on working for me. And then I get a cut from my boss. I fix your resume up. And if you don't make it, now I have a network of referrals that I can send you out to. And I get a commission on that end too. That, my love, is recruiting which is sales. That's all it is. Recruiting mm -hmm. is sales. So if you're posting an ad and hoping the right person shows up, you're not recruiting. You're not, you're barely HR. You're, you're pushing paper in a circle, hoping for results. And so from years of not being employable, when I was at what I call the end of my rope and I was permanently unhirable, I decided I had to do it myself and I had to do it on LinkedIn and I had to do it remote because I was living in hospitals and I just needed enough money, to pay medical bills under the table because I was on social security disability at that point. And what I found was it's a lot of fun. <laughs> you make a lot of money doing it. Like it was great. And it's not about the money, blah, 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 but like it is, right? We're, we're business women. Wow. And I had fun. And when everything went awry in my health, I was literally, this is everything you need to know about Kay. When I was drinking martinis on a beach, I happened to be hanging out with a millionaire, you know, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> and he goes, hey, do you want a keynote for one of our conferences? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Cause like, I can't legally accept money. So I'm not going to ask for money. And plus like, I've never really done a keynote. Two agents were in that conference and I free keynote. It went viral racking up over 10,000 hits. I got signed to speakers bureaus at a minimum fee of $10,000. You go girl. That was what started the keynote business. I got lucky. 
there are people working and grinding every day for the kind of success I had in that one moment. And what's funny is I legally couldn't make any money. So I was trying to lie to the bureaus. <laughs> and I'm like, no, pay. No, I'll do it for free for you. Cause like legally. And then I had started getting so successful that I was like, I got to get off social security and build a business, but I didn't know how, because I don't have skills. Guess I'm going to learn. But recruiting wasn't a passion at that point. It was fun. It got me through some really tough times, but I wanted more and I wanted more intellect um, to go with the great storytelling capabilities that I had. And that was when I fell in love with sales, but I didn't think I was good enough to be in sales. I know it's ironic. I didn't think I was good enough. And so I took that and decided to start writing sales playbooks for companies. And like, I charge like minimum wage for good stuff. And now I'm just blessed that, you know, I serve the clients that I serve really well, writing their sales playbooks and teaching their teams that now I've got a full business, just hopping around, writing sales playbooks for companies and acting as like an interim sales manager, like a VP of sales for companies who have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> it's actually a lot of fun. That's so cool. And thank you for explaining the HR and the recruitment thing. I probably sounded like a silly question, but honestly, you know, I thought that that was like the same thing as ridiculous as that sounds, but I think it's so awesome that you were able to sort of, like, I didn't even know there was a difference. I had no clue. And recruiters don't even know there's a difference. That's why so many of them suck at their jobs, right? <laughs> so, and I'm not trying to be rude, but the legitimate, like not legitimate, because it doesn't mean that the ones that don't know this are illegitimate. But like, when I look to hire, I want that person that's cunningly intelligent to be able to say, Let's talk about your career path because right or wrong, we all know change is inevitable. I want to learn what it is about that change that could make you want to sit next to me in a meeting instead of where you're currently sitting. That's a recruiter. Mm. And they make bank because they're not just posting an ad and hoping for success. And very few people know that difference. But the ones who do, they're what's called big billers. And big billers like, you know, million dollar round table, et cetera. So that's, that's kind of that linguistic. I accident, cause I'm unhirable girl. Like, so when you're in that, like I had to learn that skill. And what I learned was that's actually sales. No difference. Like whatever product you're selling, whatever product, let's say you're selling podcast subscriptions for like a hundred bucks a month. Great. I know you love your podcast subscription base. You know, however, should that artist fail to deliver something consistent, you should at least learn about what I got going on at underdog. Because should it be a fit, I just want you to be ready. That's sales. So anyways. It's really fascinating. Smart. I just think it's super awesome. And I love that you took something that a lot of people would just seem as like negative. Oh, I'm unhirable. Most people would sulk in a hole and kind of just like not come out. But like, you were like, oh, I'm going to find a way to make this. Like you found a way to make the unmarketable marketable, which is yeah. badass. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Now, mind you, I'm, I'm painting the happy moments, right? Right. But let's be real. It sucked. <laughs> like it got to a point where I knew it'd be roughly four months after a company hired me that they'd fire me like four months. So like I planned it. Like I didn't even bring my stuff to the office after that. Cause I was like, yeah, I'm just going to clean it out. I don't want to have to carry a cardboard box. Like literally the last time I got fired. So funny. And I love this company, by the way, I love this company. When he fired me, I, I remember it so clearly. I got the knock on my door and I had a corner office. Uh, which I should not have had. <laughs> I was what they call overskilled. And I was like a 20 something anyways. And so I remember it very clearly there. And I'm like, yeah, hi, Mr. CEO. I'm not gonna say the name. What can I do for you? And he goes, can I talk to you for a minute? And I literally, I was like, here it comes. And he's like, so you have a choice. You can finish the day, but you're just not a fit here. 
And I was like, cool. Do I get paid for the whole day? Like that was like, cause I knew, I knew. And I was like, and can I get a reference, a LinkedIn testimonial? And he's like, I'll give you any testimonial you want. And they say that cause they don't want you to sue them. And I was like, I'm gonna take out, I guess just send me my last check and that testimonial. And if I can use you as a reference to get my next job, like I'd be happy to do that. You just, you're not a fit here. Now, mind you, I still to this day have a book of, uh, of the accolades I'd won in my short time with that company and all the awards and records I broke. But, and that's, that's how we do it now. And it was Florida, so there's different laws. And I took that into a VP job of recruitment for another company. And I got fired roughly four months. <laughs> like, so it just, it kept going. That's kind of where it's funny is like, yeah, it's never good, but like, you know, there's things in your life for all that, you know, you're like, I don't belong here, but I'm gonna ride it out because it's good. Yeah. And then you got to try the things that you don't like, you know, to be able to figure out what you do, you know, it just kind of happens in, in sequence, you know what I mean? But like, how did you deal with that first rejection? Like when they, like the first time it happened, like, how did you pivot? And so you were just like, See ya, bye, you know? <laughs> well, think of it, you're 20-something, you're uneducated, you live in hospitals, you're playing a different game. Yeah. But you're trying to play by society's rules. So let me ask you, you know, without knowing you that well, let's let's play this game full out as if we're in an actual yeah. client, coach, whatever thing. Tell me real quick, are you married? You got a spouse? What's your deal? I'm engaged. We were supposed to get married this year, but thanks to COVID. <laughs> thanks to COVID, it's that's great. And how many relationships did you go through? Three. Three. Well, yeah, this is my third one. Yeah. Third one. Great. So the first time price down a little bit. The second time you're like, bend down this road next. Yep. Eventually yep. it'll make sense. No, dating and recruiting are the exact same thing. Exact same thing. Think of your dating profile, right? If you're doing it online, all you're doing is putting up your life resume, hoping they find you from a keyword search. Same thing. We could, this is a, this could go on forever because it's actually fun to talk about. Good. It's fascinating stuff because I, you know, it's, it's an area that I don't really know much about and I love people. So that just intrigues me even more. I think that's so fascinating. Wow. 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 So with the keynote, I don't think it was an accident for you, to be honest. Like, I feel like you were meant to do that. You were meant to do that. And I, I don't think it's luck. I think everything gets manifested. And at one point in time, you had that going on in your mind. And I think that you know, you sharing your story and like your storytelling and your energy is so powerful that sort of attracted that to you. So I'm really not surprised that you are where you are these days because you're so awesome. And then it seems like the keynote really took off and with your books. So was that inspired mostly by what you were doing in the recruitment world and also in the keynote world? What, what sort of inspired the books and which one's your favorite? Because you've got two now. I know you got a third one coming. Okay. So the first one is basically my life story matching entrepreneurial success habits. Mm. I wrote it in the hospital. There's spelling errors. So I recorded an audible because enough people complained. So if you like it, read a, leave me a five-star review on Amazon to, to counter out some of that negativity. And then I recorded it on audible. And I honestly just thought my mom would read it. So thanks mom. But it did take off. And I was like, oh shit. Okay, we're doing this. And so it was kind of cool. Second one was about recruiting. And we just threw that up on Amazon. Not nearly as successful as the first one. The third one is called Unstuck Yourself. And I have to sneeze. So if that happens, bear with me. But Unstuck Yourself is a 30-day action plan for salespeople to basically get this, unstuck themselves. So it's like an entire neuro, um, well, it's technically called neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah. Um, but I don't leave with that because it could be kind of cultish, uh, especially after Nexium. 
but it's basically how to leverage your mind and get you past your shortcomings because we all got them at some point. So when you say, what is your favorite one? They've all served different points. Mm. And if I'm being real, I don't think my favorite one's happened yet. And I think that's where my concern is when I write is, you know, I spent days prepping for this keynote that I gave this morning, one of them. And my fiance asked me last night, he's like, you ready? And we call it game day. Because on game day, I get to be a diva, which means we're taking our melatonin at 8.30. We're asleep by nine. I want the same dinner every night. I, I get sushi. Um, there's no lip. You can't, you can't talk to me about work outside. I'm in the head game. That morning, you got 10 minutes to leave the house, take the dog. Um, I'm in my zone. And so on game day, like I, you don't mess with me. By the way, that's why they canceled yesterday because I had game day today and they did not look that into the calendar sheet. So they said an emergency, but game day is an emergency. You're not going to interrupt yeah. Brady on the practice before the Super Bowl, right? Totally. Uh, not that I'm at that level, but like we're heading there. And, you know, so he goes, he asked me the question, are you happy with what you're going to do tomorrow? I wanted to say yes, but mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't my best work. Now, mm -hmm. sure enough, it was the best work in the history of their chapter, right? So it was like the highest rated keynote they've ever done. I've already got the results back. So we win, right? We win. But it's not enough to win if you know deep down wasn't your best work. And even on my books right now, three out of three, they're great. You're going to love them. If you listen to the audible of I am, you will cry. You will laugh. It's a performance. But is it my best? I don't think so. Mm. I don't know what you're going to do with that, but no. yeah, I don't, I don't think my best one's written yet. That's yep. going to happen. That's awesome. They all served a purpose in your life, which I think is really powerful. And I think, you know, and even just like artists, right. When they release albums they they always talk about how this, this is a stage I went through in life. And it almost feels like with the books, it's almost like the same thing for you. Yeah. And now I have to ask you, what is your biggest piece of advice to anyone out there? Like the biggest lesson that you've learned? Can we curse on this show? Yeah, you can. <laughs> Don't buy the fucking courses online. <laughs> Let me tell you what's going to happen. Some guru who doesn't know what the heck they're talking about created a great ideological $2,000 course. And you're going to sink roughly 15 grand into them and realize you had it all along. Mm. Don't buy the fucking course. <laughs> buy yourself. <laughs> yep. That might be just me talking about where I've messed up. <laughs> right. Don't no. buy the fucking course. You got it, boo. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you're basically saying stand in your power because you've got all the answers within, right? You really do. You just may not know how to connect with that voice, in which case I have a course. But yeah, I mean, spend some time learning how to connect with your higher self or your God, or your hierarchical viewpoints of life, and then listen to it. Every keynote, literally, I, I gave one, I just give them all the time. It's like hospital stories and keynotes. I sit and I watch Joel Osteen or one of my, my churches, um, they have an app where you can download the sermons. And I, I clear my mind, listen to it. And then I pray over like, God was the direction you want this to go, knowing what I know from the client. And I trust that intuition. Because the few times I haven't, and I thought I knew better than my intuition, colossal failures. To me, to me, everybody liked it. But like, I, I knew. That's and there's chances are that as we all look at our businesses and our lives, the decisions that our gut spoke out against that we thought we were too good to listen to, those are the ones that stick with you years later. Right. You know, don't mm. buy the fucking course.
you know, because it's interesting that you say that because, I mean, it, it feels like everyone is sort of seeking the answer and seeking the answer and like looking everywhere but themselves, right? And it's like, at the end, then, of the day, like, if I just sit down for a minute, you know, and just like, like you said, think. yeah, and just breathe and write it down and that, you know, and just keep it flowing. It'll happen. It'll happen. I yeah, did really well. And then my next question for you is what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now, besides don't buy the course? <laughs> Give me ages. Give me ages. Like, is this me as 50 talking to me at 33? Where, where's my age on that? The age, your age currently talking, got it. talking to early teen, teenage you you know, when you like, don't know what's going on in life, <laughs> you know, at, at, at the stage where you're kind of like, I want to be a singer when I grow up, but you know, like it, the development phase. I knew I wasn't going to be that good. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is me speaking on my own. I wanted to be a singer, but that would be a disaster for absolutely everybody. You know, you have to sing a line for us now, right? <laughs> See, I used to DJ. So when I used to DJ in college, that's when, that's when my music side, musical side came up. But I'm like, I cannot, I, I cannot sing. I used to sing when I was little and then I grew up. You ain't giving me anything. You're going to put a mix at the end of this podcast for your listeners, right? Yes, totally. Okay. I'll, I'll say one then. line. I'll say one line. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. <laughs> I love Drake. I love Drake. That's an underdog jam right there. <laughs> you're hilarious let's be besties um no my 18 year old self was why because think of it I'd moved a lot and I thought it was gonna die so what do you do when you're a hot 18 year old dancer living on your own with that kind of mindset mm. like I'd love for all the listeners to be like no I was driven then I was driven yeah but by boys <laughs> in their shiny cars up the coast of Florida you know what I mean like right <laughs> 18 year old self looking back that's good because 18 was fun um uh, maybe learn to sing now but no um <laughs> it's a tough question I know <laughs> yeah yeah because 18 was an interesting uh experience for me um I was engaged to a lovely human being um and then I said broke off said engagement and got engaged like a week later to a different human being um, not a week like a month um but we hit it because, you know, that guy was, he was an interesting creature, but thank God that did not work either. And I thought I was going to die. So I wanted everything immediately. Mm. And I don't change my sense of urgency. I still want everything like yesterday. And I'm proud of that. So that's never going to change. I know sometimes the sales teams I consult for, they are driven absolutely nuts and complain about the CEO that brought me in because I'm forcing them to do more in one week than what they've done the entire last year. So that hasn't changed, but you know, that's 18 was tough. Cause I loved it. I loved it. So I would say, um, something I maybe still struggle with. We're having some fun camaraderie. Don't get me wrong, but like, you're worth it. Stop it. You know, uh, as women, we compare ourselves to every other woman that's got to end. And I still do. I have a friend who was Miss Nevada. Like when we're hanging out, don't get me wrong. I'm pretty, but like, I ain't Miss Nevada pretty. <laughs> but what's it matter? Why do I care still to this day? Right. And I remembered making a lot of choices. There was a game that they played. Um, I was in my early 20s. And my, so there were four of us girls. It was me. And then there's my hot girlfriend who looked like Marilyn Monroe. Um, love her. In fact, we called her Marilyn and they called me Barbie. 
And then we had the athletic girl who's like still got washboard out. She actually qualified for the Olympics in track and field. Wow. And then we had another girl who was like the brainy hot librarian, right? Or her how. And <laughs> I remember we were walking down the street and I'm a little curvier. You can't, you see my face, you know, but you don't see my, my, my lovely derriere. <laughs> derriere, derriere, whatever, you get it. And um, there were some guys outside the bar in Florida and they had signs. And when you walked by, they held up your number. And I was the lowest number every time consistently. And I took that as my rallying cry to go as nuts as I could just to prove I was okay. Mm. Um, Because it sucks to be the ugly one in a group of hot women. It sucks to be the least successful one in a group of millionaire women. Mm. It sucks to be the only employee in a group of CEO women. Mm. And I wish I would have learned that comparing myself what I should have been doing has been like I'm the I'm in the greatest room look at these beautiful role model women I have on how to take care of yourself and your health Mm -hmm. you know look at these incredible business owner women that I have who can teach me about KPIs and systems and process and scalability as opposed to being like I'm just a dumb employee who's going to get fired I wish I believed in myself a little bit more Mm -hmm. and why I was privileged enough to be in that room versus comparing myself to everyone in that room right you that got deep. <laughs> I was gonna say that's so deep, and thank you for sharing that. Because like we've all gone through that, you know what I mean. Everybody has doubted themselves, second guessed themselves, be like, "Oh, am I worthy? Oh, am I worth it? Am I worth it?" Like, Ugh. and that's kind of like how it was. I just came down to the reverse. <laughs> oh, I got you singing now. <laughs> I got you singing now. I love it. I love it. But it's so true. You know, you go through these moments, and you're just like, oh you know, and I totally get it. I totally get it. But I love that you've empowered yourself and you've continued to just keep breaking more and more glass ceilings in what you've been doing, which is amazing. Two keynotes in one day. That's, that's badass. That's pretty amazing. And a sales man in two podcasts. Like I'm out. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But you're amazing. And now like you got to let the audience know where to find you. Tell us a little bit about your book so we can support you and all that. I mean, I used to have a text opt-in number. If you want to follow me, I'd love for you to join. Give me your email address. I'll hook you up. But you can find everything on misskalin.com. M-I-S-S-K-L-Y-N.com. And then uh, literally you type in K-L-Y-N on Google and like Google knows what to do. You can't not find me. If you genuinely want to connect, it's possible. Like I try to be, you know, it's interesting. I hit, I, I don't know, like 50, 60,000 followers organic this year, somewhere in that range. I don't know, a couple hundred drop off, a couple hundred add on. And I'd like to think that, you know, right now I'm micro, I'm like Z-list celebrity, right? But like, I'd like to think that when I've got millions, I'm still accessible to like the cool people, right? Like if you're an idiot and you're just asking me to like slide in your DMs, like it didn't happen in bro. But if you're a good human, I'm going to be an accessible human for you. Right. Like, that's just life code. So misskaylin.com or just type in Kaylin and Google and Google knows what to do. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode.